Hello friends, welcome to Exploring the Scriptures with Springdale Baptist Church. This week, Brother Stacy takes us back in time in order to look forward to see the wonder of the birth of our Messiah. Now here's Brother Stacy with the message. You turn to Isaiah chapter number 9, the book of Isaiah chapter number 9. This morning as we look at this uh, particular passage of Scripture, I want to kind of uh, show you some things about prophecy. Uh, there, are, there are a number of prophecies in the Bible, and I guess it can be said that all prophecies in one way or another speak toward Jesus. They, they, uh, I don't care what the prophecy is, there's some more specific than others about uh, Jesus, about His birth, about the cross, about the atonement. There are some that are about other events surrounding Jerusalem in that day. We've got a lot of that right here in Isaiah chapters 7, 8, and 9. And so when we get to chapter number 9 here, we're looking at Christmas, looking ahead. Lord willing, over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at Christmas, looking ahead, Christmas Emmanuel, and Christmas looking back. Christmas looking back, and we'll do some things like that over the next three weeks that, uh, that, that get us to a place of understanding about, uh, about Jesus and, and what we celebrate, why we celebrate this glorious time of year. And definitely we do look forward uh, to this celebration. In Isaiah chapter number 9, I want to read verse 2 uh, just as we uh, begin here this morning. It says, To people who walked in darkness... I'm sorry, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. You've got to understand something about, uh, about what was going on at this period of time in Isaiah's life to understand that. The Assyrians were coming in. They were going to take over in Israel. They were going to overthrow the government and, and, and really start just, uh, just uh, causing havoc all over the nation of Israel, and many of the people just were not prepared for what was going on during this day. And so uh, he prophesied over in chapter number 8. The prophecy was that uh, the Lord spoke to him and told him, before your son is able to say, my father. In other words, before he's uh, between, uh, between nine months and a year old, before he's even able to verbalize anything, he said, the Assyrian king is going to take over. And so this was a very pressing thing, a very pressing time of darkness that they were walking through. And so times were tough here. Now, there's a prophecy of three layers here that's going on when he says, uh, when he says the, the, the people have, have seen through darkness, have seen a great light. You see this Assyrian, the upcoming uh, takeover uh, of Israel. And then you see uh, in Jesus' day, if you think about it, Whenever Jesus came, they were under Roman rule. They were, so, so there had been very much a similar type circumstance uh, hundreds of years later where the Romans were, were in, in power during this time and they had come and taken over and kind of put their way of ruling the world in Israel's place. And so there was a dark time. Now this prophecy of three layers gets us to the second coming of Jesus. Most of the time we look at prophecy and definitely we'll look at verse 6. That's the one we all kind of clue into and recognize and know from this particular passage. But as we see what's happening here, we look at our day and we are looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
And today, if we can't see anything, we can see the lawlessness, we can see the godlessness, we can see that we are living in a dark time. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter number 17, Luke said this, he says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. So we, we see that there are going to be some dark days. What were the days like in the days of Noah? Well, everybody was just treating everybody the way they, they wanted to. They were just kind of, they were marrying and they were giving in marriage and they were just going along like life was just going to be there forever and be going on. And sometimes we get in that frame of mind like nothing can affect us, nothing can hurt us, nothing can bother us until we wind up in some of these dark times where we realize that just about anything can bother us. Just about anything can put us in a place where we feel like we're in trouble, where we feel like we are hurting, where we feel like we are helpless. Well, this is where Israel was here. It's where Israel was when Christ was born. It's where Israel will be whenever Christ returns. There will be darkness in this world. And there will be a great light that was to shine. So as we see this, I want you to move on up with me uh, to uh, verse number 3. Actually, the middle of verse number 2, it says, Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And so we, we see in the same sentence here, People living in the valley of the shadow of death. You, you hear that in Psalm 23. That's kind of, uh, is kind of relayed back here for Isaiah. And so he gets to verse number 3. He said, You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. And uh, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of this burden and the staff of his shoulder, the uh, the rod of his oppressor as in the days of Midian. For every warrior's sandals from this noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be under, uh, I'm sorry, will be used for burning of fire, for burning of fuel and fire. In other words, whenever they came back from battle, those robes that were basically dipped in the enemy's blood or maybe some of their own blood or some of the blood of their own people those sandals and those robes, what they would do is ceremonially, ceremonially, they would go and burn all those robes, burn those sandals, and just say, this is where a new day begins. And so this is what Isaiah is talking about to them. It's a new day that's coming. There's something else coming around the bend, and it's going to be a great start for the nation of Israel. So this prophecy of three layers here is what it was then during Isaiah's time that was contemporary. Then what it is in, uh, in Jesus' time that was a time historically for us to look at. But then what is it going to look like when Jesus returns again? There are going to be dark days. There are going to be tough times. We're going to see them depending on how you view when the rapture, when the church is gone and taken out of this place, we're going to see some foreshadowing when that happens, but maybe not the great tribulation. But aside from that, I want you to see something here in verse number 6. In verse number 6, he says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order, uh, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So as we get ready to look at what Isaiah is getting them ready to see, he's prophesying about, of course, the Son of God, about Jesus Christ. But I want you to see what he, what he really gets to here. There is a promise here to all families. There's a promise to all families. He said this, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And so he's seeing uh, the promise to all families is this, is that there is a child born. Well, somebody tell me, this is not a trick question. I'm not trying to lead you down a rabbit hole here. I want you to know uh, something about this particular uh, word of prophecy here. When he said a child is born, what does a child do? Somebody help me out, huh? Yeah, but what does he do later? What does he continue to do? Grow. He continues to grow, and so there comes a point here that he's not a child anymore. Now, this is what we want you to get about Jesus Christ because we come together and we look at Christmas and we sing Away in a Manger and some of these great songs that point to the birth of Jesus and what a wonderful time it is to celebrate but this child would grow. Now, that's a temporary state that Jesus came in. We would see that the child would then grow to become something that was way more. And as we look at verse number 6, we see what he would grow to become. We see what he would grow to become. And so, during verse 6 here, when a child is born, the child was meant to grow. Your children, as much as you love them, as much as you look forward to that baby being here, that baby will one day grow up and become the, the, the young man or the young woman that, that they are supposed to be. But don't you look at the second part of this. This promise to all families was that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So a child is a temporary thing. The son is an eternal thing. Is a, the Son is a permanent thing. Jesus Christ was a permanent God. He was an eternal God. We'll get into that a little bit more in a minute, but there was also this. There's a promise to all nations. If we look in verse number 6, it said, and the government will be upon His shoulder. The government will be upon His shoulder. Again, this is not a prophecy for the right now. This is a prophecy for the future. And when Jesus came... You remember, they tried, to, they tried to make him a ruler. They welcomed him into the city. They saw all the miracles that he performed. They saw the demons that he cast out. They saw the healings. They saw all of this that he done. But then whenever it was all said and done, he died a criminal's death. And so the government was not upon his shoulder right then. Now, let's move a little bit later on, and this prophecy has another layer to it again. We get to the place where one day when he returns and he sets up his kingdom and he calls his church out of this world, and we, we're told in Revelation 21 that there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth, and he starts to set up his kingdom. That is when the government will truly be upon his shoulders because it's not going to be a democracy 
It's going to be a theocracy. In other words, God is going to be in control. God has given us stewardship and allowed us to be under control. He's blessed government and allowed government to be under control for this time. But there's coming a day when the government will be upon His shoulders. So as we look at this, I want us to see that. But here's something that I want us to see and really spend some time on this morning. There is a person for all time. There's a person here for all time. If you'll look in verse number 6, it says, And his name shall be called. Now, we're not necessarily given just his name. We're not giving a specific capital letter title for his name, but we are more so given some descriptions of the character of God in Jesus Christ here. So it says that he will be a wonderful counselor. Now, the word wonderful, when we think something's wonderful, we think... Oh, this is good. This, this, is like, this is better than good. This is great. We, we think of something that's just awesome, and we, we've decided that a lot of things are wonderful, but when we really look at this word and what it meant, what wonder meant in that day and what wonderful meant was that it was beyond comprehension. Something today to us, the word has become overused to where we, we just say something's wonderful if somebody is extra talented or if somebody has a lot of skill in one area or another or if somebody has accomplished something great, we say that they're wonderful. But biblically speaking, when they talk about Jesus Christ here, when Isaiah mentions him, he said he is a wonderful, it's an adjective that modifies the noun, counselor, and it means that he is totally and completely outside of our realm of thinking. He is way more than anything we can imagine. Way more than anything we could have ever hoped for. That's who Jesus is. That's who he would be. And, and as he prophesied about his coming, that is where it would be. Was how wonderful, how beyond description Jesus would be. But it says he is the counselor. Now let's put the two words together. Wonderful Counselor here. Counselor means someone who guides someone else with great wisdom. Someone who guides someone else with great wisdom. Now, if we look at this, we've got to know that wonder is beyond comprehension. That counselor is someone who guides. So we have somebody. Should we choose to make him Lord of our life who is able to perfectly guide our very next step. Who is able to speak to the next way, to, to the next spot in your life, the next place you'll go, the next decision you'll make, the, uh, the, the, next, uh, the next move you'll make for the Lord. He's able to guide those moves perfectly. Matter of fact, beyond comprehension. In other words, his ways are higher than our ways. We can't even start to imagine how the Lord sees the big picture of our life. But we know him as wonderful counselor. Then we move on here and we see that he is the mighty God. Now think about this. As, as guiding our next step, he's omniscient. That's a big, big $25 word that means that he knows it all. He knows it all. He's all-knowing. That's what the word omniscient means. Now... Don't you see this? He is the mighty God. That means He is all-powerful. He is all-powerful. The word for that is omnipotent. That just means that He is able to speak into every situation you've got. 
where he is the wonderful counselor beyond description, he is also able to say uh, to, into your life and into my life, listen, whatever it is you decide to do, he said, let's line it up with scripture, with the word of God, and move on with God's power in it. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. In other words, there is nothing that God can't do. He is God unlimited. Now think about this, and we see him this way as the everlasting father. We see him in this particular scripture as the everlasting father. And as we look at this, we understand that he is eternal. In other words, he's omnipresent. That word means that he is everywhere at all times. He's present in every situation. He's able to speak into every part of your life because he's been there. He is there and he's going there. Wherever it is you need to go, he is going and able to go along with you, powerful enough to go with you. And that gets us to this last one here. He's the everlasting father. That word father there uh, gives us a picture here of what, uh, how we become sons and daughters, matter of fact, I want you to hold your spot there. And I want you to turn over to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter number 1. Hang on to Isaiah chapter uh, number 9 and we'll go back to it in just a minute. But 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 is something I want you to see here. Give you a minute or two. I'm hearing pages. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the omnipotent, by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. As we see this and we see the picture here, he's talking about a father's kind of love. He's talking about a father's kind of provision. He's talking about the fact that we have been begotten. In other words, that means we are his. We're not just a child anymore. We are a son. You see, before we become a son, we're a child. But when we become a son, we remain a son forever. We remain daughters forever. This is what's so important about the eternal nature of of the Father. He's the everlasting Father and He provides for us this way. He provides for us uh, a way to become the sons and daughters. Over in John chapter number 1, He said to those that believe, He said to them gave He power to become the sons of God. The sons of God. So what it means is in short is that everything Christ has ever had is ours. Everything he's ever become, we are able to become in Christ Jesus through him. He's made us a son of God. And I want you to see this last one in Isaiah chapter 9 in verse number 6. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
that word Prince of Peace, because of all the rest of these, all the rest of these names, when we get down here to the bottom, we see that he becomes a Prince of Peace because he is the only one able to make us right with God. That's it. Jesus came. We think of it at Christmas time, and sometimes we just give Christ a, a, just a glancing thought at Christmas when he is to be the head and the center of Christmas. What it's all about was the fact that he came to give us the opportunity to become right with God. It's why we come today and we worship the Lord. We study a portion of His Word together. We, we sing songs to Him and about Him and, and sing to encourage one another and then we read Scripture so that we'll know what His Word is to us and then we preach to, to hopefully help you recognize some things in Scripture that give you comfort, that give you strength, that call you to Him, that call you to Jesus. Because He is the only way that we have the peace of God ruling and reigning in our life because He is the Prince of Peace. We see all kind of dark times around us. We see all kinds of stuff that's going on in the news, stuff that's going on. Listen, sometimes in our daily life, we see these things happening and we just wonder, when will there be peace on this earth? Listen, there won't truly be peace on this earth until the Prince of Peace returns to this earth. But I'm telling you, under the authority of God's Word, you can have peace in your life today. You can have peace that passes all understanding today by putting your trust in Him. As we look ahead, like Isaiah was looking ahead to Christmas Christmas had not yet come. The star had not yet shone. Nobody was drawn to Bethlehem or to Israel for any reason whatsoever. But Isaiah said one day the Prince of Peace is going to show up. And one day the government will be upon his shoulders. How many of you would love to see a time when the government is on the shoulders of God Almighty rather than a politician? Mm. the church is to be on the shoulders of God day in, day out, from beginning to end. Your life, you being the church, going into this world, you are to be on the shoulders of God, delivering peace. Everywhere you go. I'm going to ask for you to stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Here's what we've come to understand today. Throughout these names that he's called, these descriptions, these adjectives that we've given to the greatest noun there ever was, who was Jesus. All He ever has been and all He is now was poured out for us on the first Christmas. As Isaiah looked ahead, he said, 
you've seen a great light. There's been a light that shined into your darkness on this day. And I hope and pray that wherever we go this Christmas season, we shine the light of Jesus into the store. We shine the light of Jesus at the gas station, at the school. We shine the light of Jesus in our relationships. See, the great light has shined and His name is Jesus and all He has is yours. Father, we thank You. Thank you for the promise of eternal life through your Son. God, we pray today. I pray you speak to the needs of every heart in here. Lord, you know exactly what they are. And God, your grace is so amazing. Amazing enough that you'd give your Son celebrating. We light trees up. We light houses up, God, but I pray we'd allow people to see your light in us this Christmas. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.